Alright folks, welcome to a special mini-sode of The Occasionalists. Uh, Chem and I are just going to do, like, we're just calling this the spooky season wrap-up. Um, just a little, uh, just a little way to sort of, like, put a bow on all the episodes that we're talking about, that we've talked about thus far. We did the, obviously we did the, the whole, you know, looking at the whole breadth of Carpenter's work, um, you know, from the 70s, obviously up until, uh, up until 2010 even. We talked about, uh, his last movie a little bit, The Ward. Um, and now, you know, and now we're going to, you know, obviously we went more in depth with two particular movies, Christine and In the Mouth of Madness. So now we're just going to put a bow on the whole thing. Uh, so Chema, I just, you know, want to ask you about like how, how we decided to do this year, how we decided to do this particular spooky season this year. Um, what do you think is like the best part of sort of focusing in on like one person, like a personal profile? Yeah, well, it, it's right there, man. It narrows the focus. And when it comes to something like horror movies and Halloween and all that, there's just so much that we could do. There, there literally is so much that we could do and stuff. And so I think by focusing on one person, it allows us to basically cover all the ground that we want to. And like, I know that the the next question, which I would like not really answer at this particular point in time, but there's a lot of stuff that we covered. And like, I don't think that we've missed anything major. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. and I think we got the we got the ability to talk about pretty much every single one of his works, even including some of the non horror stuff. So by doing this, like, we don't really miss out on anything. You know, I think we can cover like as many corners as we want to. I think we could have like a really like number one, like it's like great for from a marketing perspective. It's it's our John Carpenter month. So we have three episodes that are completely like people know what they're getting into. And it's one of these deals too, where like I, when we do the being, you know, one person and one singular, like, you know, our tour or focal point, mm -hmm. It just, I don't think that we, you know, like the whole FOMO thing, like we could be doing something else. It just doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Where like yeah. when you, when you're maybe like thinking of a movie to do, like if we were to just say, hey, for spooky season, we're going to do three movies, like, and I'm guaranteeing like every, you know, everything that we've done was decidedly like the right decision. But there would be something like, man, well, maybe we should have done this this year or mm -hmm. maybe it could have been this movie this year. Instead, we take all that off the table. It's one guy. Let's talk about everything he's done. Let's pick two things and dive in a little bit deeper. Two things that were his non-Pantheon works that gave us the, some time to express our own opinions. And hopefully these opinions were not the same ones that have been regurgitated 10,000 times over, like with the thing and Halloween and all that. So I thought it was a good move. This is a really good way to do it. You you're you basically took all the words out of my mouth that I had written down here. So, um, like yes, totally one hundred percent agreeing with you on how like the just when we focus in, we don't miss out on like sure we miss out on things, but when we focus in, we can really sort of like pull up all the good stuff. Um, you know, we can we we can do a little bit more nuance um, with all of our episodes when we're just focused on one person, when we're just focusing on you know and. I think had we done his big movies, the episodes would have looked very different from then from how we did Christine and in the mouth of madness. Cause we really mm -hmm. had to dig into some other stuff that we wouldn't right. have dug into otherwise. Right. Like, right. you know, like we, we can talk about creature effects in the thing and we can talk about like the, the, the atmosphere and like the, how like the slasher genre was revived with, uh, with Halloween. But like with something like Christine, this is a whole different type of horror movie that we really have to, that we really have to think about much more critically than we would have had to think about something like the thing. So there's just more nuance and there's just more, there's just more depths to plumb. There's more information to plumb 
with kind of steering away from from the well-known stuff and going towards stuff that not that it isn't well known it's just not appreciated the same way yeah of course dude like yeah the appreciation part that's a really really good way to put it man and i I, like the more and more i thought about it after we had kind of talked about like in the christine episode like why we didn't do any of the pantheon films like i'm just imagining like us reading different things from articles that everybody has read before that hey like you know there's this thing with the the creature and like while it may be like probably new information for me it's just going to be stuff that everybody else has heard before and this allowed us to really like i guess kind of take the gloves off and kind of share like our own opinions on something that is things that aren't as well known Mm -hmm. things that haven't been covered as much and and you and well you kind of covered that like there's just no fomo um the only you know like in terms of like stuff that we missed we might have missed the only thing that like i think that we missed like i would have loved to talk about some of the other movies a little bit more in depth like that's mm-hmm. it. That's that's the only thing. Like I, yeah, I would have loved to spend a little bit more time, um, whether it was talking about the fog or whether it was talking about um, you know Big Trouble in Little China. I'd have I would have liked to talk about those movies just a little bit more in depth. But it's not like, you know, it's not like it spoiled anything. Whereas I, th- yeah. I think you're right. Had we just like picked like three random movies or, you know, p- you know, not not have done like some kind of focusing element of, with this we would have sort of been like, oh, what about this movie? What about this movie? Like, there's just, that, that wasn't present for this. Yeah, dude, I would have gotten halfway done with an outline for The Lighthouse, and then I'd be like, oh my god, this movie's on Amazon, we should do this, and you have to re revisit uh, the whole idea of changing it up and stuff. It's just, I don't know, that's just, I know that in all reality, it's not that much effort, but just getting psyched up about something, and then getting psyched up about something else, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just pick something, and just let's just yeah. do it and make the best out of it, you know? Uh, so if we did have one more episode, um, which I guess we could squeeze in, I don't, I don't really have time <laughs> going forward, but if we did have one more episode, what other non-Pantheon work of John Carpenter would you want to profile? Okay. I want to do a bad movie review of vampires. Number one, because it's been a while since I've seen vampires. Number two, it's on Amazon uh, right now. And I'm sure it will be for a while because it's spooky season and you should be, they're going to be charging people to watch uh, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's better stuff. But the third and definitely the most important reason that I would love to watch Vampires again is because I fucking hate James Woods. I just want to thrash James Woods. It could be a whole (laughs) – it could be 15 minutes of the conversation reserved for just you and me saying fuck James Woods in different tones of voices and stuff like that. I'd be down for it any day of the week, dude. Like there's – the more and more that I see this guy in his current like form and state – I kind of start to wonder, like, number one, if I ever really thought this guy was good. Uh, number two, like, if he ever is just good at all in general or if it's just, like, I don't know, or just this guy's just a scumbag piece of garbage or whatever it is. There's so much just disdain that I have for James Woods right now that um, any type of bad movie review to number one, Trash Vampires, and James Woods at the same time, two birds with one stone, sign me the hell up. It is, it is very curious that he was ever a leading actor. Because I'm sure I'm sure that he is like that all the time, and he's always been like that throughout his entire life. How right. would you get along with any of these fucking queer ass liberal directors? Yeah, I don't get it, and, I, like, and, and I, other actors for that matter. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just like Scorsese. Like, did they just like have separate trailers where they never like in the same room at the same time? Is Scorsese actually a Republican? Are there more Republicans in Hollywood that we should know about? Oh, dude, there's. By the way, there's a lot of Republicans in Hollywood, but they're not. They're not dumb, like James Woods. James Woods is never going to get hired for anything other than like 
uh, a Dinesh D'Souza film uh, where he portrays yep. where he's sure. where he's playing um, Joe Biden and like he's a fucking angry old crank and like pees on himself. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. Dinesh D'Souza. Fuck that stupid asshole, too. But yeah, you're right, dude. There's all kinds of like, you're right. That's the thing. We've always talked about um, this kind of like once we once we had that political episode that we did where there's just like different types of Republicans in places like New York and L.A. And you're right, man. This is California. There are more Republicans here than there are in the United States and often multiple states combined. (laughs) Right. Exactly. The thing is, is that. The Republicans out here, they don't give a shit about the stuff that the rest of the Republican Party cares about. Like, they don't care about, like, immigration and stuff. Like, because they, they, they know that, like, the people who are crossing the border are not taking their jobs. The people who are crossing the border are taking, like, you know, just not jobs that anybody wants no, to do. Exactly. So there's this consciousness about them. And I don't know. James Woods has just got to be this rare example. You, Adam Sandler is a Republican. And, dude, I was a couple months ago after Uncut Gems, I was ready to jump in the sack with that dude. I was like, whoa, shit, this guy all over again. <laughs> no, you, yeah. You want to you convince you want to try to convince me that these studio heads are liberals? No. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. No chance. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. But uh, what, what movie would you pick to um, to do an episode of? I actually, I, 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 not a movie. I would love to do a whole episode on his television stuff. Um, oh, yeah. He's got a vast catalog of that. A lot of, lot of television stuff, a lot of horror television stuff. Um, probably, I mean, his most, his most famous television movie is the Elvis movie um, mm-hmm. starring Kurt Russell. Um, right. that would just, but maybe not for spooky season, would, but just would be very interesting to cover anyway. But a lot of his television stuff are sort of like retellings of some of his early independent films and um, short films and stuff. So I'd, I would mm-hmm. really love to like go through all of his TV stuff and just um, just sit down and watch his. Which, I know I have it. Like he did stuff for Masters of Horror, which was like a briefly a brief live sort of um, Twilight Zone type of anthology. Um, mm-hmm. He was he did like a there's a, a anthology movie. I think it was a TV movie, Body Bags. Yeah, he partnered up with Jim Lang, the guy who yep. did the music from In the Mouth of Madness. Yep. So we can get to hear shitty renditions of uh, <laughs> of uh, Megadeth songs. It's right. Like that it's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, like so, I, I would love to do some of his TV stuff. Would be really interesting. Listen to the, listen to the synopsis for this for this particular episode called uh, Cigarette Burns. Um, okay. With a torrid past that haunts him, a movie theater owner is hired to search for the only existing print of a film so notorious, excuse me, so notorious that it causes single screening, that it's single screening caused the viewers to become homicidally insane. Oh, I wonder what that sounds like. <laughs> sounds, it sounds like, it sounds like he kind of, he, he said, you know what? Maybe in the mouth of madness was a little bit confusing. So I'm going to go ahead and focus that and definitely make it about a movie. Yeah. He does it like, um, it's a spiritual sequel to in the mouth of madness. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, his TV stuff would be a pretty interesting trip, too. Yeah, definitely, dude. That would be actually something we could keep in mind for uh, next year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so how about th- how about this question here for you? Christine or In the Mouth of Madness, which one are you likely to – which one are you most likely to watch again? Okay, it's it's going to be Mouth. Like, I mean, yeah. I watched it two and a half times in two weeks. Like, this is going to be something that I do revisit whenever it becomes free on Amazon Prime, as some movies tend to do mm-hmm. from now and then. This is one I will be sitting aside time and watching it and stuff and just kind of going over and maybe, like, listening to some of the points that you had made and trying to like, – I guarantee it's going to have a whole new life now that we've done this episode. So that is one that I'm ex- definitely excited to watch again. I am, I am with you on this one, Mouth of Madness – I, I might, it might be one of those ones in a couple of weeks where I just have like nothing else to watch. Um, you know, no, you know, cause we are, like I said, we're, 
we were approaching, we were fast approaching the time when um, a lot of new TV shows are either not mm-hmm. going to be on the air um, yeah. just because they haven't been able to film or like there are some procedurals and stuff coming back, but like we're kind of heading towards like a TV, a little bit of a barren landscape in the coming months. Mouth yep. of Madness might be something I put back on again in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, believe me, dude. This we could end up in lockdown all over again with the way these cases are spiking. So we're going to have t- a whole lot of time mm-hmm. and a whole lot of no new TV to watch. Yep. Um, so then, which one are you more likely to recommend to someone else? That one, it's also going to be mouth, dude. Like I, I could, be, I have no problem recommending Christine. No problem whatsoever. But I think out of the two movies, this one would be the one that I would instruct people to watch like right away and stuff. And if they happen to see Christine, go for it. But I I think that this is a way better cinematic experience. I I am agreeing with you on all those points, but I'm still going to recommend Christine. And here's why I think, I think Christine is just a little bit more accessible than Mouth Madness. Um, Like, Oh, you're right. Oh yeah. Not as complicated. And I can I can just like you know if we're like at a party or something and, and we're talking to someone, it, it's a real easy like dude, the special effects in this fucking movie for the early nineteen eighties off the chain, the the scene mm-hmm. where Christine rebuilds herself is fucking art. It's awesome. Right. It's like a quick like if you know it's a quick like if nothing else you should watch it for those you know for the car scenes and stuff because it's great. So like I think that would be a little bit more accessible. Whereas like I feel like. I would have to explain, and I hate doing this to people, explaining movies that they've never seen before, before I tell them right. to go fucking watch it. And I feel like Madness would be one of those movies. Yeah, I could see what you're talking about in a party where, like, with Christine, it's just like, hey, do you want to see these practical effects? Within the Mouth of Madness, you got to be like, hey, dude, like, in the Mouth of Madness, how do you feel about a complex mind fuck about an author and there's going to be some things that maybe you don't get to understand? I can't explain it for you right now. You're just going to have to see the movie. Right. It's a little bit better of a pitch. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, so I, I split there, but like you are correct. Like I, I, you know what? I would I would recommend In the Mouth of Madness to someone who's already maybe a Carpenter fan that never like went down that lane to see this one, or mm-hmm. um, or someone else who's just into like psychological horror. I'd be like, this is kind of a trippy movie if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you, dude. Definitely. Uh, so for next year, if we were to do for sure, like I do want to like narrow the focus whenever we do spooky season or whatever like we have like a theme month i I do think it'd be it's helpful to narrow the focus for various reasons but if we do decide to do a personal profile on someone next year who what horror figure would you want to to profile all right dude so i'm going to tell you first off that mine is this is not accessible this might be for the biggest niche audience to ever walk the face of the earth but I think Clyde Barker might be worthy of a, a little bit of a deep dive. And I'll explain my reasoning on this. And it is, it goes as follows, dude. When I was a kid, the Clyde Barker stuff, like Hellraiser and everything, these were the movies that like my parents would not let me watch. Like for some reason, they didn't really have any problem with like Freddy and Jason on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But obviously I, I know why. I mean, the Hellraiser movies, like the torture and all this crazy, that's just a little bit much for a kid, you know what I'm right. saying? Especially oh, yeah. like a really, really young kid. And it's because that they wouldn't let me watch them. And even maybe some of the imagery that I saw when I was younger, I've always kind of ignored some of Clive Barker's work. I've seen Lord of illusions that might be, and I've seen, I've seen Hellraiser one and maybe like snippets of the other, uh, the other two movies from the original trilogy. Like, but I, I just don't know enough about them. 
And for some reason, I, the Clyde Barker's been around forever. I mean, this guy's had a pretty impressive career mm-hmm. with books and movies and comic books and stuff. And I kind of feel that he is one of the ones. He's not like Stephen King is probably number one. Then it's probably like Dean Koontz. And then Clyde Barker is maybe like number three, four, like somewhere underneath those two. And I, I think because it is such fresh territory for me that there's a lot to be explored and it could give me the kind of the opportunity to maybe answer the question, like how did this guy sustain such a long career in, in Hollywood? Like how did, why are these Hellraiser movies so popular? Like do people really like the movies or do they just think pinhead is scary looking, you know, like, like st- st- mm-hmm. stuff that I basically always have wondered about Clive Barker movies. I think it would be cool to kind of dabble into, but I will say, however, like I said before, that it's a very, very niche audience we're talking to. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you on that one because his, like, I know a lot about Clive Barker and his movies. I mean, like, Candyman is one of my favorite horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there's, there's like, stuff there, and, like, I do love the imagery of Pinhead. Um, I think they get a little, they, they get really campy as they, as they go on. They're, like, a little bit more ridiculous. But... Right. Yeah, he is one. He is one of those those horror uh, figures that like I know enough, but I really haven't gone like that far down the rabbit hole with his with his work. Yeah, and like I'll be honest with you, dude. It, the rabbit hole, the the work might suck, but like if there's ever, I guess I just need an excuse to start watching Clive Barker, you know, uh, movies and stuff again. And mm-hmm. the a majority of the material might be campy as hell, but still, I just I just kind of need to know this. Like I need to yeah. know how Hellraiser has sustained this kind of longevity and stuff. And there's like, a, there's a, a lot of questions is that are these really good or are we just basing a movie on really strong imagery? And stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Like that answer. Um, I went to this, I, I, I kind of teased in, in our previous, in our, in our mouth of badness episode, um, like I, that I was going to talk a little bit more about this. And I, I really think that maybe we're actually a year too late and I'll explain why. Um, but HP Lovecraft would be, you know he's such a singular horror figure, especially like in the, especially in the development of an entire subgenre that he basically created on his own, um, mm-hmm. and and really one of America's like first, um, one of America's for, along with Edgar Allan Poe, like one of America's like first really standout horror writers, right? Yeah. Um, but like I, we might be a year too late on it because it's just very interesting that like obviously right now Lovecraft is having a little bit of a renaissance. With right. the the aforementioned from last episode, uh, Lovecraft Country, um, there's a, a a movie with Nick Cage uh, called Color Out of Space that is based off a Lovecraft uh, short story. Um, obviously, we just did In the Mouth of Madness uh, for uh, for we personally just did In the Mouth of Madness. So like that, there's another Lovecraft homage, and uh, I believe I think you've seen it, but I think I'm pretty sure that Carnival Row is like a Lovecraft homage too. It is. You're yeah. right. I have watched Carnival Row. It's not too bad it was a lot better than i had thought it was going to be and unfortunately i am not aware of the specifics i don't know like what they're homaging to i think it's just the creatures kind of okay okay it's kind of like yeah as far as like carnival row like fandom goes usually like the first second is the first statement is hey check out carnival row and the second sentence is hey it's some homage to lovecraft so um yeah 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 and believe me carnival row it's it's got some things to get really really excited about. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I mean, I'll probably end up, I mean, have, end up having to check that yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but I do want to I do want to okay. make one quick comment though about what you're saying about the the one year thing. That believe me. Well, I do think we could do it. I do definitely think that the episode is uh, is definitely doable. But however, 
It is going to be because of the HBO show. I will guarantee you right now that um, they're reprinting a fuck ton of Lovecraft books in the Amazon warehouse and print shop and stuff like that. And we're going to see like an explosion of it, of immense proportions coming up here pretty soon. Um, maybe I, I, maybe I would tend to disagree with you just because it's not, that show's not as popular as you think it is. Is it really, are the ratings bad? Just, just for, just other They're pretty average. They're, they're like, they're like a, they're like a very average HBO show, like The Outsider or something. Yeah. I'm telling you it's because like, and number one, that's a little bit disappointing to hear because I did like what I originally saw of it, but it just goes back to this thing I've been saying about Jordan Peele's stuff where it's like, you can't spread this guy out too thin. The work is starting to suffer from mm-hmm. it. It's like with, with hunters and everything, but yeah, I just like in my mind, like what I see is like I see this show, I see people sniffing Lovecraft and everything like that. And then all of a sudden it goes from uh, Nick Cage's movie to like there's now five Lovecraft movies that are in the canon or being in development somewhere. So mm-hmm. I, I would hope to God that if the, that is the case, they pick it and do it right. But you never know. So if the show doesn't turn out to be that good a thing and HBO cancels it, we could be in a completely different situation. I, I'm sure I'm sure it'll get a second. I'm sure it'll get a second season. But really, that's that's not why I meant like that. Why we're late to this? We're a year late to this because like this year with all of the all of the social justice initiatives and uh, the the civil unrest and everything um, and, and that that has been unfolding over our country, it's just very interesting that Lovecraft is enjoying this renaissance because Lovecraft was a terrible fucking racist. He was a miserable piece of shit. Um, he was an anti-Semitic. Hated black people. Hated Italians. Hated hated Irish. Um, he died poor and miserable. He was a real piece of shit. And it's really, really interesting like that a show like Lovecraft Country, um, obviously it filmed like probably over the last year and a half. You know, like a year and a half ago it was probably done filming. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting that after like this summer of social unrest, we're going to get this story that is intentionally taking a very a noted racist author's um, works and examining racism through that lens of that type of horror. So I think in that regard, we're just a year too late. But nonetheless, H.P. Lovecraft is so, he is like such a standalone figure in horror. Um, there's there's plenty to bite off of that, like, we don't even have to fucking read books necessarily. Mm. There's just so <laughs> right. much to bite off of um, on TV and movie-wise that would just be interesting anyway to talk about. Yeah, I did not know any of that stuff. And um, yep, you're right. Definitely, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that um you gotta gotta be really, really, uh, really selective with you, who you decide to do. And the minute that anybody becomes the racist thing and all that stuff, it's a cloud. Or the minute somebody is a racist and a degenerate piece of garbage, no less, there's a cloud that kind of hangs over that. And I don't really know how to address that being a white guy on a podcast. So, well, you just say that Lovecraft was a racist, but like, like the, the oh, yeah. thing, the thing that's really interesting is that like. I'm not like I'm not like a, a deep reader. Like I don't have like you know the, the volumes of like his original stuff or anything. But I've read I've read some Lovecraft, Lovecraft stories. It's not like it's seeded throughout. You know what I mean? Like he's not like writing about like like black people aren't being tortured in his in his in his stories. At least the ones I've read. So it's it's mm-hmm. not really like a you know because he's more focused on interdimensional beings that are like here and like we're we're sacrificing people too, like. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, like, it's it's so far... You'd think it's so far removed 
from like the person almost like it's it's almost like this there's no way this horrible racist is writing this even though obviously was it's just very far removed so you can talk about it however you want to talk about okay gotcha lovecraft is racist and uh yeah he's a racist yeah that's it i mean that's it that's all i have to say but uh yeah so anyway there you go lovecraft um how about uh to wrap this up here three ideas your your top three ideas that aren't like a personal profile but still kind of narrow the focus on like what we would do Okay, cool. So three ideas. Number one, the universal monsters then and now. Kind of doing a hmm. sort of evolution expose on some of the universal monster characters and talking about, like, you know, when they started, their heyday, what they meant to movies. Then pretty much like different renditions of the characters going all the way up into this failed monster verse that just took place with Universal you, and Wait, Mummy it's not and, happening anymore? Ugh. I, isn't it not? I thought they're done. I'm kidding. No, I'm like kidding. Pretty positive. I'm kidding okay. because there's they still have a tweet. Universal still has a tweet up um, with like the cast of the Mummy and what were the other movies? Yeah, I was. Um, well, is the Invisible Man technically in that technically, monster yeah, with Elizabeth Moss? Okay, technically, yeah, but it wasn't I know. It was, there was another movie that that had like that either shot or didn't shoot or whatever. But it's like it's like two casts basically. And like it says, yeah. like the the tweet is like this is the beginning, and it is still up, and that's still the only movie that they've like the Mummy is officially the only movie that they've made for this. Yeah, I know the picture that you're talking about, and like something tells me that they're not going to put this aside just yet. I mean, there's just too much money with horror and like the branding of Universal and Universal monsters and all that to be made now. So I don't think they're going to totally shelve it just yet, but it might be a while before before we see the next uh, installment of this monster verse, whatever the hell they're calling it. So, um, but I, I do think that um, there's definitely some cool stuff there to talk about with the older horror movies and mixed in with the new ones, how they've changed, what they've done to change the way the audience has changed, all, the, all that kind of stuff. Um, the other one is the, um, I don't know really what to call this. So I just called it the weirder creatures of horror. And this is where we take a look at movies with stuff like the blob critters, puppet master, yeah. rubber, these things that are just really, really out of left field, like kind of antagonistic forces or ideas that they've somehow converted into like a horror movie. I think there's something there to be seen. Like number one, like if uh, looking at the movies from the past, seeing if they would still work today, um, taking different, you know, like looking at the blob and like kind of doing like some kind of thing with the blob Mm -hmm. and if it would still be relevant today and maybe evolutions of these kinds of things as well. These little like offshoot kind of characters, maybe, maybe finding a movie from like the 1920s where a thimble was the scariest thing in the world and kind of how it evolved from a thimble to a tire and rubber or something like that so that's my uh, second one and then the third one this is uh actually taking a real deep dive into an actual franchise and this this is something like we would take you know like months in the making to do like you know picking like friday the 13th or halloween or freddy or something going right from the beginning and not you know obviously not not setting aside a spooky season episode for each individual movie but just something about like franchising of movies in general how these movies change what they look like from where they start to where whatever the end is now which would be like the most recent installment of the franchise and kind of talking about how like you know number one like is um is the is the franchise today 
what they were going for in the in the, the past mm-hmm. like if the movie was originally was supposed to be a franchise how modern audiences shape the concept of the franchise over time and kind of looking at a movie even like even taking something like halloween 4 and comparing it to the rob zombie halloween like something along yeah, those lines so so there's something really cool to do like with a um you know like with some kind of thing involving one of these major franchises i i got you i very specifically like the first idea doing the universal monsters one very specifically, I like just because that's that is like our that is like America it, as a whole. Their introduction to to a lot of on screen creatures. Yeah, that's like that's oh the yeah, dude, my, mine specifically. That's how it, my my dad had like these models of the Universal monsters, mm-hmm. like the Dracula and Frankenstein. Those were like some of the first images of horror I'd ever seen yep. in my life as a kid. Yep, and, and you're right. That's why they're never going to abandon this. It's but, but by the way, they, I just looked it up real quick. It's the dark universe is what they were they were, what they were calling it. Dark and universe. You're right. They're not going to abandon it, but they should abandon the ideas of having like Tom Cruise should not be anywhere near this. <laughs> like no, unless you unless no. you don't want that stink of the mummy to come off. Right, dude. Like you have to not go with A-list celebrities in these kind of things. Like you just not Tom Cruise A-list anyway. Like Nicole Kidman would pull it off, but not Tom Cruise. No, no. It, it is nothing against Tom Cruise. That this is not his. Like I've I've never seen the Mummy, and I don't plan on seeing the Mummy. But it just seems like that's that is a, a, an actor, a type of actor that does not fit that type of movie. No, you're definitely right, dude. There's no place in the world for horror or that movie, period, with yeah. Tom Cruise. But I like it. Those are some good choices. Um, Chema, I, I, I will start with something that's... I'll just sort of piggyback off that last point you had there. Uh, I was thinking of... Uh, I call this, like, famous gods and monsters. That, like, okay. we would focus entirely on, like, a well-known horror figure, like a fictional figure. So, like, we would do, just for example, like, we would do an entire spooky season on Dracula. Not vampires as a whole group, but Dracula, um, the Dracula myth. You know where the where the idea of him comes from, the the character, why it's like so pervasive in pop culture. My God, we still make movies about Dracula. You know, I mean, right. obviously we make va- we've been making vampire movies forever, but we still make movies about Count Dracula and TV shows about Count Dracula. Um, so like, his, you know that that his place in pop culture. Um, why we, you know, why it's, why it's still like considered scary. Like what, you know, who, who did it the best? Who was the best Dracula? Um, mm-hmm. you know, how good is Count Chocula? Like, I mean, how good is that? <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, so like we, we do something like that where we focus on, we can even like pick, you know, different, you could take different types of Dracula movies that specifically focus on him. You could even do that. Like you could even cross cultures with it. Um, right. So I think that would be kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to do. Uh, I didn't know what else to call it besides famous gods and monsters. So, but take your pick: Dracula, Frankenstein. Um, if you want to do something a little bit more, a uh, little bit lesser known, and, but you know, still kind of like in the pop culture, like somewhere, like you could do that. Um, so there's one for you. Um, this is the one that I'm, I'm, I would love to do. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, but B horror movies. Um, take a deep dive into the golden age of B horror movies. So like the 1970s and eighties with like Mm -hmm. the schlock horror movies where everything's really disgusting. Um, a lot of times played up for laughs and how like it, it had a mini resurgence from like the, you know, mid two thousands into the 2010s. Um, and like, but like that kind of iteration of it was like very deadly serious. Like when you think about like the saw movies and stuff like that and how they, they, they took that violence from like the 1970s and eighties and made it into something a little bit more serious in modern times, and it seems like now again we're back over it. 
Like, we're not doing movies like that anymore. Yeah, um, no, that's a really, really yeah. good point. That's a good, good point about that. You're right. It did see a little bit of resurgence there, and now that's not really a thing. It's all more like this high-concept horror yeah. or something. I mean, there's like still that. violent they, stuff. Larger-budget horror. Yes, it's still violent stuff, but, like, no one is getting no one's getting stabbed, and, like, blood isn't completely filling a room up. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotcha. I, yeah, I understand what you're saying for sure. That's a really interesting one. And then uh, finally here, one that uh, I, I think would be a really, really fascinating deep dive. Uh, I call it folklore horror. Um, so, like, we would focus in on a different culture oh, for each episode yeah. and then talk about, like, their myths and legends um, and then, like, watch. Especially, like, I would love to especially take, like, cultures that are non-American cultures um, and, you know, and, or I should say non-Western cultures. And then, like, talk about, like, their myths and legends or whatever. And then, like, you and I each watch a different movie based on, like, whatever. Like, if we were talking about, I don't know, some, like, Japanese creature or something. Like, you and I would try to find a Japanese movie that talks about it. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Talk about, like, you know, talk about, like, just talk about the movies. Why they, any overlap that they had, any interpretations that they had, that kind of stuff. Yeah, dude, that is really, really interesting there. And there's so many different ways that you could go with that. I mean, even like you could do like a little mini episode about Boston Township or something like that. Like these crazy, like, you know, like, or like even where, um, the origin of like where Bloody Mary comes from, which I'm sure you can easily Wikipedia, but like stuff like that, you know, these urban legends and folklore of different cultures and different places in the world, because I guarantee you there is some really, really crazy shit that we, we, we don't know about. I'm sure we, we know the basics, but uh, I guarantee you there's a lot of crazy, really crazy shit like in Japan and Russia that just would mm-hmm. scare me even as a 30, 36 year old man. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think that would be a really interesting investigation. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously we'll, we'll, you know, we're, we're not like necessarily like planning. I believe me, I won't think about this again until, um, probably the beginning of September is the next time I don't really (laughs) think about, uh, what we are going to do, but you know, just not a bad idea to throw out some things right now. Um, and if we really feel like we, we want to, we can go back and reference this episode at some point in time. So. Yeah, of course. Definitely, dude. Yeah, I'm telling you, that folklore one could be really, really interesting. I think that could be a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, just any other any other uh, final thoughts on the wrap-up here? Oh, just believe me, dude, this is another really, really great spooky season. I think this is our th- third one now, I think, instead of doing this. Yeah. And th- this is great. This is one of our – definitely one of the better ones. Doing it on John Carpenter was a really, really great idea. I absolutely loved it. And just as a final, I guess, thing for everybody out there is that if you don't get out and vote next week, the spooky season could go on for a lot longer. So That's everybody right. get out there and Perfect. vote and do something because we probably – I think the next episode might be like a couple days after the – it'll probably be like the, the couple days after the election yep. that we record next. So everybody uh, get out there and get out there and do it. Like I hate to say this, but like no matter what your political party is, just get out and do it. But everybody who's listens to the show knows where I stand and uh, yeah, just get out and vote or we're going to be in a hellish nightmarish landscape for a lot longer. Chem is right. If we don't vote for Kanye West, um, all of, all of this yeah. gets worse. <laughs> I know, man. Get yay in that white house right away. Uh, anyway, anyway, Chemma, thanks for doing this. this is a lot of fun. And yeah, until uh, folks out there until next spooky season, we will, well, we'll see you next spooky season, and hopefully, we'll see you well before that. But uh, this is this is the end of this year's uh, this this year's fright festival, and it's been a good one. Chema, always appreciate it, man. You too, bro. This is a great one for sure. And everybody, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon, definitely.